We are going to begin at this time. Thank you for coming on board with us today, this evening, and we are going to begin Bible Code 7, University of Spiritual Warfare. And tonight we have a teaching, but we are going to do something very special the Lord laid on my heart this morning when I woke up. We're going to talk about anger this evening. We're going to teach you about being angry, being diligent, angry, to change your story, change your situation, change your habits, change your ways, change your addictions, change your position in life. <clears throat> we must understand that anger is a starting point and anger is a fuel that fans diligence. But before we go in that, the Lord asked me to do something this evening. I'm going to do it right now. Uh, Romans 8, verses 29 through 30. Beg your pardon, 28 through 30. The Lord asked me to release a word of prayer. And I know that some of you who might be listening to the sound of my voice, you have some loved ones, prodigal boys and prodigal girls, children, grandchildren, you're not saved. And they're not in the ship. They have not come to uh, surrender their lives to Jesus Christ yet. And Lord asked me to release this word and speak it over your children, your grandchildren. And God will do the rest. So, Romans eight twenty-eight, And we know that God causes everything to work together for good. Of them are of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance. King James says he foreknew them. All those who are serving him now, he foreknew them. And he chose them to become like his son. So in other words, when we are believers and we become Christians, we, it was not our bright idea and it's not happenstance. God chose us from the foundation of the world to become his son, so that his son would be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So God picked out his family. He picked out all those who would serve him, like you and I, and those who are listening from before the foundation of the world. So we're not an afterthought of God. Verse 30 says, And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. He made them righteous. We are in right standing with God. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. He placed his glory upon us. So we're not ordinary. We are not ordinary. We're not to be lumped together with the world. And tonight, what God has done in our lives, we want God to do in the lives of our children, our grandchildren, and millions more who are like us. And you know my story. I used to be an atheist, and God saved this old atheist boy. And he bring me to be where I am right now. I am professing Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. No man can get to God the Father except you go through the door, and that door is Jesus. So let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for what you meant by this word. We thank you for the salvation, the coming to the recognition of Jesus Christ, of our prodigal boys and prodigal girls, grandsons, children, granddaughters, cousins, aunties, all relatives who are not saved. We pray that, Lord, your hand of mercy will be extended unto them. We pray that in this time of COVID-19, People will begin to see the brevity of life, how short life is, how fleeting it is. They'll begin to read stories that even young and old are get, succumbing to this virus. And it doesn't have to be just a virus. It could be anything, car accidents, uh, anything that could come along that causes death. But we know that to be absent from the body for a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is to be present with the Lord. And we pray for the salvation of souls, that they will have the security of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We release them by the blood of Jesus. We set them free. We speak a word of breaking of the chains and the cords that bind them of the devil. We pray that God, that 
the darkness that they're in, that the light of Jesus Christ would shine upon them, and that God, they will see the light, and they'll come to the light and accept the light, who is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, we just want to thank you for the mighty power and presence of the Holy Spirit moving in the lives of these that are not yet saved, marked and destined for salvation, but not yet saved. The Bible tells us that no man can come to Jesus except the Holy Spirit draws him. So we ask that you move by your Holy Spirit and draw them to Jesus tonight. Draw them, Lord. We would be very selfish if we didn't take time out constantly and consistently to pray for the salvation of those who are lost and ask you to bring them home to Jesus. Shatter the chains of hell. Shatter the unbelief. Shatter atheism. Shatter agnosticism. Well, I don't know and I'm not sure. Shatter, Lord God, pleasure, sin that holds them in bondage. Shatter, Lord God, materialism destroyed from their lives. And Father, many people are losing everything, losing houses, cars, money. And God, when they lose everything, they will understand, Lord God, that your life does not consist in the, in the abundance of things that a man or woman possesses, but in joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. And that the things that God has to give you is greater than the material things of this world. Any and every material thing in this world will be left behind here. No one can take it when death comes. And you can take nothing with you. Job said it this way, Naked I came in this world, and naked I will go out. Nothing of this world cannot be taken. Gold, silver, diamonds, it cannot be taken with us. So, Father, we must understand that we came in this world to solidify our will in the will of Jesus Christ, in the will of God. And God, once we have solidified our will, we have made that choice, that decision, then once we pass out of here, we, we, we pass through this journey, then, Lord, we will go to be with Jesus for all eternity. He'll take us home to be with him. So, Lord, we pray for the opening of the eyes of the understanding of those who are not saved, and especially for the sons and the daughters grandsons and granddaughters of your children on the line tonight and we pray these prayers in the mighty name of jesus christ amen amen this is what the lord laid very heavily on my heart this morning and i want to just encourage you and let you know that if you have a grandson a granddaughter a son a daughter and you're saved you're a grandma you're a father well you know we don't want to go to heaven and then i see our children go to hell so we prayed, please agree with me and believe with me and tell them, pray for them that they will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they will be saved. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to talk tonight about anger. We must be angry, diligent to change our story. How many people have ever heard it says, I'm just sick and I'm tired of this. I am disgusted. I'm fed up. I'm not going to take this anymore. That's the kind of attitude you need. We want to change those bad habits that we have, those bad ways. We want to change those bad addictions. You know, when you, 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 you're just doing something and you're doing it all over again and again and again, it's like a recurring decimal and it holds you back. We want to change that. We want to shatter. We want to destroy those things because those things are destroying us. Those things are from Satan, and Satan's job resume says, rob, kill, destroy. So we are to make sure that we are coming against everything that is not good for us. Any addiction, any habit, any ways that is not godly, shatter it. We are to desire a change in our position in life. And one of the changes we've been talking about is your speech. You must desire a change of your speech because your speech is responsible for you where you are, your position in life right now. So if you want to change your position in life, you must get angry and say, I'm, I'm not going to talk the way I'm used to talk. Change your speech and change your life. 
We are to understand that God listens to us, and anything we say we are going to have. So anger, it's your role in, the, the, in changing your story. Anger plays that role to change your story. Don't just be hip and be cool. It won't do. You've got to get hot. You've got to get angry. Angry is an emotion that fuels diligence. And when you get angry and you say, I'm going to make a change, then you're going to follow it because you'll become diligent. I remember when I was angry, I had an attack of the enemy in 1988, and I was angry. And the Lord led me to Psalm 91, and I began to read it. When I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I read it again. I did a double take. I said, you mean to tell me as a Christian, God promised me all these things in Psalm 91, and I'm not getting it? I'm not having it. I'm, I was a victim, and I realized I was beaten up. I was a loser, and I was a Christian. I was a young Christian, but a loser. I was a victim, and I became what? Angry. I went ballistic. Steam popped out of my ear. And when I began to read the scripture, I, and when I read it, I read it with anger, and I read it with diligence. I read it more than 14, 15 times a day. So anger was my starting point. And I was angry that the devil had robbed me, and he made me a victim. I was a loser. I was dead. Spiritually dead. I was spiritually assassinated. I was spiritually murdered. And Satan had me as a victim. He had me under his boot. And I didn't even realize it. But I became angry. And I began to wield the sword of the Spirit. But I didn't know what I was doing. I just remember I was just angry. And I said, I am not getting this. I was just mad. I said, I'm not taking this anymore. No more snakes crawling up my leg. No more stinking odor of sewer in a brand new car. No. No more sewer. No more stuff crawling all over me. No more cobwebs all over my head and all my face and my neck. I'm done. I was angry. And that was my starting point. And I became diligent. My anger fueled my diligence. And I began to read the scripture, Psalm 91. Didn't know anything else. Brand new Christian. 1988, first Sunday, 1988, was the Sunday I got saved. And shortly thereafter, all hell broke loose on me. <laughs> Gave my life to Jesus. And the first Sunday of 1988, I came to the recognition. If I died right then, the Lord spoke to me. The bottom of December, and he said to me, he said, if you died right now, where would you go? Would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? And I had to, I had to confess and reason with myself. And I was stroking myself, too. I got to confess to you. I was telling God how good I am and how I'm a nice guy and, you know, all that kind of rubbish. But when, when the rubber hit the road, I had to confess and say, if I died now, I wouldn't go to heaven. There's no anything in me that would make me go to heaven. I didn't know Jesus. My ticket, my passport, my visa was was not written. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't have Jesus. And if I died, I would have gone to hell. So I had to come to grips with myself. And shortly after that, I, the enemy came at me. So anger was my starting point to prayer. Anger was my starting point to diligence. Now there's an anger that's not good. Cain was anger, angry. And he had an out-of-control anger. He allowed his emotion of anger to get away with him. And he committed the first murder. He was ballistically angry. And on top of that, he was bipolar. The Bible says he was dejected, cast down. So he was bipolar. And he committed the first murder. God reasoned with him, told him to say, hey, you know, if, if you don't do right, sin lies at the door and it wants to destroy you. But he didn't listen to God. And that's the good thing about God. You can go in the Word of God and reason with God. He's reasonable. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to reason with Him. Come now, let's reason together, said the Lord. Uh, that's Isaiah 1 and 18 and 19. 
Though your sins be as, as scarlet, they shall be as white as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the fat of the land. And if you be rebellious and disobedient, you'll be devoured by the sword. So God wants us to reason with him. And he wants us to be angry, but we should not be in sin. We, we must be angry at the enemy and the things that the enemy is doing. And I, and I see certain things. Ang anger should move you to extreme radical fasting and prayer. And that's what anger, my anger did. So I was angry to bring about a change in my life. So my anger moved me to extreme radical. Well, I didn't know much about fasting that time. I was new. I was wet behind the ear. But it moved me to some radical prayer. I was, I was like diligent. Every day I was releasing the scripture. I was mad. I was mad as hell at hell and Satan. And I was praying. And shortly thereafter, less than two weeks, I noticed, wait a minute now, something is wrong. I haven't smelled any smell in about two weeks. And I never knew when it stopped. I haven't had, I, I, I noticed there's nothing crawling all over me again. No more cobwebs. No more snakes wrapping around my legs. And I said, wow. Whoa. So this is what did it. It's the word. I was releasing the word. I was declaring Psalm 91 10, 20 times a day. I said, it's the word. It works. But still, it didn't, because I didn't have the understanding. I just knew I was angry. I just knew I was diligent. And I just knew that all the attacks of the enemy ceased. That's all I can tell you. It ceased. I'm the kind of guy that whenever, even before I got saved, whenever things happen and, you know, that comes to want to bring you down, I'm looking at the situation and say, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Can you imagine an atheist saying, this too shall pass? Word of God. Well, that's what I used to do. This too shall pass. And guess what? It passed. So anger fueled my diligence. And this is what I want to bring to you tonight. You must be angry. You must draw a red line in the sand and tell the devil, devil, you can come this far, but you can't cross over. You are not going to destroy me. You will not destroy my wife, my children, my grandchildren. You will not have them. And you must war for them with the sword of the Spirit. Just in the same way people see sin, injustices, oppression, and we hate injustice. We hate oppression. We hate when people oppress other people. We hate it. You pray against it. I stay up at night and I pray against oppression and injustices. The rich ruling over the poor and oppressing the poor. Poor people in this world have not even a meal to eat, nowhere to sleep. You've got to pray. This is what you got to call, uh, what what you're called into the kingdom to do. I was reading in the Wall Street Journal today about uh, what's going on even in Orlando, and there are some people who couldn't pay their rent. There was this young man worked at a, at a, a restaurant, steakhouse restaurant, and he lived in a like a group home where they shared the expense of the rent, and he couldn't pay his portion. And he now lives in a small tent in a forested or a wooded area. He is living in a tent in a wooded area. He is living outdoor in a tent in America because of COVID-19. How many more people will be in a tent living? How many more people will be living in a car? And many cities, many towns, many counties have a law. You cannot live out of a car. Where are the people going to go? What are you going to do? This is where I'm have to tell people that you've got to get angry. You've got to start praying. You've got to start calling on the Lord. He is able to help you. He still works miracles. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we may ask, think, or even imagine according to the power of faith that works in us. This is where we are now, right now. Because we, we're not going to have to cast our eyes on material things. We need to cast our eyes upon Jesus. We need to cast our eyes upon the Word of God. We need to come home and come in the ship. 
and let Jesus know that, Lord, you are my shepherd. And when you are my shepherd, there shall be no lack in my life. We are surrendered to him. We've got to know that we, we, we must release the word to him and tell him, Lord, the Bible says David stipulated and he said, I was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous people begging any bread, forsaken by God or any of his children begging for bread. You will not forsake me and I will not beg bread. We have got to stand on the word of God. We have got to get angry and say, not me, not mine. You've got to get that anger in you. You've got to take a position. You've got to utilize what God has given you, a fire and a determination. We must endure because of this tribulation hour that we're in. You cannot be hip. You cannot be cool. And in the same manner, people hate injustice. And they hate to see the oppression. You must start looking at the enemy and say, enough. And put a warrant on the devil and say, you've got to turn them loose. Because I'm coming at you. I'm angry. And I'm diligent in my prayer. How many times have you said, I'm going to pray, and you say, I'm going to pray at a certain time, and you never make that prayer time? I pray every, every night at 12, starting at 12. And I pray till 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I want to let you know that you can do it too. You don't have to pray till 3, no. But if you set aside a time of prayer, then my God, spend some time with prayer. Can you not give Jesus one hour? Can you not take an hour and release the word and begin to pray and praise him and just begin to hear from him? I heard from him last night. Every night, every time I'm beginning to pray and release the word, I hear from him. That's why he, he has commissioned me and commanded me to write so many books. I got to sit myself down and write because as he releases information to me, I got to write it in a book. So we got to understand that Anger must fuel your diligence. And anger is good. The Bible talks about Pharaoh. Pharaoh got angry and he threw the cupbearer and the baker in jail. And while the cupbearer and the baker went in jail, they were, it was a meeting point, a melting pot. And the king's a cupbearer. That's the food taster. You know, back in those days, anybody who tried to poison the king, they, he would have a man taste his food and eat the food before he eats it. And as long as the man eats it and he ate the food for a while and he didn't die, the king says, now, half hour later, so I can eat the food now. So always that was the modus operandi of the cupbearer, tasting his wine, tasting his food before him. Then he threw them in jail, and they met Joseph. Then he, uh, Joseph was able to interpret their dreams. And then the cupbearer was reinstated, and the baker lost his head. The king killed him. And two years later, the cupbearer remembered that there was a man in the prison that could interpret dreams. So when Pharaoh had a dream... Joseph was called out of the prison and said, hey, come stand before Pharaoh and tell him what his dream meant, and he did. So we got to understand, you got to have diligence, diligence, diligence. you got to be diligent. you got to be diligent in prayer. And I want to go over a story about a man that he had the opportunity to change history, but he had no diligence. He had no anger. It talks about Elisha, the prophet. He was on his deathbed. And there was a king named Joash. Second Kings 13. Second Kings 13. Turn your Bibles there with me. Or take a note, Second Kings 13. And we'll pick up in the 16th verse. Elisha said to the king of Israel, Put your hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. Now remember, Elisha was sick. And he was on his deathbed. And please understand that in those days, when a man is on his deathbed, and he's about to depart this world, especially a prophet of the caliber 
of Elisha. Before he dies, he called the king and said, listen, come. So that was an honor in itself. Because before he passed out of this world, he wanted to impart a prophecy. He wanted to impart a blessing. So he said, put your hands upon the bow. And he put his hand upon the bow, and Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said to the king, open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot the arrow. And Elisha made a proclamation. He made a decree. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. That's all he said. He spoke a word. Spoke a word of blessing, a word of prophecy. He spoke a word of an, an, an anointed word. He made a decree on his deathbed. And the prophet of God said, deliverance from Syria. And that's why today there's deliverance of Israel from Syria. They have no enemies around them that can uh, stand up to them. Even today, because of what, what Elisha said at that time. And he said, you shall smite the Syrians in Aphek till you have consumed them. And then he said to him, take the arrows now. And Joab took the arrows. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. So he took the arrows, and the king of Israel smote, hit the ground with the arrows. And he smote the ground, he hit the ground with the arrows three times. And stopped. Verse 19. And the man of God, Elijah, he, he was on his deathbed. He was wroth with him. He went ballistic. Wrath is an old English word to mean he was aggressively angry. He was ballistic on his deathbed. And he said, you should have smitten five or six times. All you did was three times. You were too cool. There was no fire in you. There was no diligence. Syria was your enemy. They tried to kill you. They come, they oppress you. They kill your people. They kill your children. And you have no fire. There is no anger. You're too cool. You're cold. And when he shot the arrow... Good. But now, he said, take the arrows and smite the ground. And all, he had, all he had was enough fire in him to hit the ground three times. And Elisha went ballistic. You should have smitten five or six times. Then you would have smitten Syria till you have consumed it. Whereas now you shall smite Syria only three times. You will defeat them only three times. And Elisha died, and they buried him. And exactly as Elisha said, is exactly what happened. They defeated Syria three times. And today, Syria is still right there beside Israel, and many people coming into Syria can attack Israel from out of Syria. Why? Because Joash did not have any diligence. He had no fire. He had no anger. He was not a diligent man. So he'll go down in the history books in the Bible as a king that had nothing. He was too cool. He had nothing to do. He was just too cold. Let me say it that way. And he had no diligence. And because of him, Israel is in the position that it is today. And I wrote that in the book. So we got to understand that when we get angry at certain things, we are not sinning. The Bible says we are to be angry and not sin. But when we are angry at the enemy and his wicked works and what he is doing in the lives of people, it's not sin. We are to be angry at what the enemy is doing in the lives of people. When you see people with uh, strung out on drugs and people living on the street, and eating out of a garbage can. You should be angry. Because the enemy has got these people doing all that. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know who their source is. 
And I'm not saying that every person who is a Christian is going to be a rich person. No, I'm not saying that. There are going to be some people who are poor. But my God, when you have Jesus, you will be eaten out of a garbage can. He'll provide for you. He'll make a way. He'll open doors. So we've got to understand that we've got to fuel diligence with anger. And we must be diligent in all we, 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 are, we are doing, our Christian walk. You must be diligent. And leads me to the next word. We must endure. Jesus said only those who endure to the end, only those will be saved. So we must understand that we, for us to endure, we've got to have that diligence. You've got to stick to it. It's called stick to it You've got to stick to it. When you begin to pray, you've got to make certain that you're praying at a certain time. And I was teaching a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago, I beg your pardon, and we're talking about some people say, well, Bishop, you know, I've been praying, and I've been praying for two months or three months, and it's not working. Really? How many people plant a seed? A mango, avocado, an orange. And you plant a tree and you get fruit off of it in three months. You've got to wait years before you get some fruit off of it. And you just want to be calling on the Lord in three months and then you tell me that the word is not working? Something is happening in the supernatural realm. It just hasn't reached a threshold yet. It hasn't reached a level where it's going to start coming back to you yet. But you've got to persist. How many people can chop down a big tree with a couple of whacks of an axe? You don't chop. Well, I know some people want to say, well, we use a chainsaw now. <laughs> you, you can cut a huge tree down in a matter of about 10 minutes or 12 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. Yes. But you're doing spiritual warfare and you're moving things in the spiritual realm. And you must depend on God. You put your prayer out there, you release your word, and you depend on him. Bible says, wait, I say upon the Lord. Wait on the Lord. You do the praying and you do the waiting. They that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Run, not faint. Walk, not be weary. So we must wait on the Lord. And let God do his thing in due time. But your prayers, your word, the release of the word is not in vain. You be diligent. You endure and leave the rest to him. And by the way, when you hear the Bible tells you, when you cannot see the hand of God, you must trust the heart of God. You must trust the word of God. The Bible gives us many, many, many instances of people God's people in the, in the Old Testament waiting on him. Moses waited on God. He came to his Red Sea. And when it came to the Red Sea, it led about three to three and a half million people to the Red Sea. There was a mountain on the left-hand side. There was another mountain on the right-hand side that they could not climb. And there was a Red Sea in front of them. And guess what was behind them? 600 chariot men of Pharaoh. There's about two men in every chariot. There's about 1,200 men ready to kill as many of the people of Israel and take them back into captivity. And what did God do? God put a separation barrier between his people and Pharaoh. And God opened the Red Sea. And it took all night God caused an east wind to blow and dried up the Red Sea and walled up the water and dried the sea bottom so his people could pass over. Diligence. You must be diligent. Things don't happen when you snap your finger. Not with God. You must wait on God. God will not be late. He will be on time. But you must exercise a little anger to fuel your diligence. Jesus was angry and he beat the money changers out of the temple. And Jesus is still beating money changers out of the temple today. All those iniquities that the money changers, the bankers, and the rich, the very rich are doing, Jesus is counteracting them today. It might not be seen by your naked eyes. Sometimes you don't understand what's going on, but Jesus is still working out today. 
He is working it out. He is evening up the score. He knows how to do it. He knows what to do. We have to understand that we have a, our part to play, and God has his part to play. We are to get angry when we see wickedness and evil, and we are to do something about it. We need to begin to pray, and we need to be, begin to speak the word. And I'm going to ask you to go and take your Bibles to Acts chapter 12. Acts of the Apostles chapter 12. We're going to take a look and see what the Bible says here. I've taught on this scripture many, many times. And it says, about that time, Herod, the king, stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. He wanted to vex them. He wanted to what? Anger them. He wanted to what? Destroy them. And what did he do? He grabbed James the brother of John, and he killed him with the sword. He butchered him. He chopped his head off. And what did the church do? Nothing. No anger. No diligence. Anger did not fuel anything in them. Verse 3, And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also, then were the days of unleavened bread. So because they didn't have any emotion, they didn't get angry, they didn't do a thing, they didn't exercise diligence in doing anything, he said, all right, these, 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 these people are a bunch of wimps. These people are pushovers. They are a bunch of sissies. I can do anything I want to do. And what was he? Herod was a crowd pleaser. He saw it please the Jews. The Jews had a bloodlust. When somebody's head gets chopped off and, and it pleases you, you have a bloodlust. Something's wrong with you. But this is what the Bible says. It pleased the Jews. So they have a bloodlust. And he proceeded further to grab Peter. And he says, Peter, we're going to kill you too. We're going to shed your blood. I'm going to give them more pleasure. It pleased them. So I'm going to give them more pleasure. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intended after Easter to bring, bring him to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church of the God for Peter. The church got angry. The church said, no, no more. The church drew a red line in the sand. The church began to do what it should have been doing in the first place. The church of Jesus Christ should never, ever wait for anything to happen before they begin to pray without ceasing. And I've seen over my years as a Christian, over 30-odd years, when they call for prayer, when, oh, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so is in the hospital, and you know this one, then they call for a chain prayer. And then they say, oh, this one is doing very, very bad, you know, we need to pray. And everybody go in and they begin to fast and pray. They open the church, and then they begin to do all kind of stuff. Stuff that they should be doing without somebody being sick, a reason to for doing it. You're supposed to be doing this constantly. You're not supposed to wait for a reason to be doing it. You're supposed to be angry. You're supposed to be diligent in your prayer. Pray without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So the church woke up. The church got to doing what it should have been doing in the first place. The, I call this the lazy church, and I make no apologies for calling this the church. And many churches are lazy. The Christians are lazy, lackadaisical. And I make no apologies for saying this, because if you're not praying and praying diligently, you're lazy. You must be praying without ceasing. And look what praying without ceasing brings. Because this is what we need to do. When Herod would have brought him forth, verse 6, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers 
before the door kept the prison. Verse 7, Behold, the angel of the Lord came, on, came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. The angel said to him, Gird yourself and bind on your sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast your garment about you and follow me. My God, when they began to pray, when they got angry, and they began to be diligent in prayer, God sent the angel. Well, God, why didn't you send the angel when they grabbed James? Because the church did nothing. Well, God, did you love Peter more than you love James? No. God says, call unto me, I will answer you, and I'll demonstrate my power to you. You didn't call. It's your fault, you lazy bunch of people. You're responsible for James dying, church. You're responsible for all of what you see going on here. My God, if we could get just a, a million Christians begin to pray, do you think the church would be under all this persecution that they're under right now? I don't think so. They'd be afraid of us. Why? Because we're fasting and praying. And when we fast and pray and call on God, God begins to send angels. Hello. This is a precedent here. The church prayed without ceasing. God sent an angel and got Peter out of prison. When the church prayed without ceasing, God sent angels. And I want to see the church begin to pray and call on God as we endure in this tribulation time. That the angels will be ascending, going up, and coming down, and going up, and coming down like Jacob's ladder. Bethel, the house of prayer, the house of God. Bethel, where Jacob saw the, 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 the ladder, we call it Jacob's ladder. The angels going up and down out of heaven. That's the vision he had. And he called it the house of God. My God, we want the churches to become battles in nature. Praying churches. We want to keep our angels busy. Do you know how powerful an angel is? Let me give you a little uh, idea here. Peter was sleeping between 16 soldiers. Four quaternions of soldiers. And he was bound with two chains. And the keepers were before the door of the prison. And the angel came in. Who let the angel in? <laughs> Certainly not any of the, the guards in the prison. Angels don't need no keys. They just walk through the walls, and they go anywhere they want to. They are supernatural beings. So he walked into the prison, and when he got to Peter, he woke Peter up. Get up quickly, and the chains fell off his hands. Wait a minute. Did the angel have a key for the chains? Angels don't need keys to open locks. Hello? Angels don't need keys to open chains, handcuffs. And when he came out, doors opened before the angel. So the verse 10 says that when they were past the first and the second war, they came unto the iron gate that leads unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. So all the iron gate opened up before angels. Everything opens before angels. Why? Because the church is praying. When the church begins to pray without ceasing, angels are dispatched to come to the rescue of God's people. When the church is diligent, angry at what's going on, the wickedness and the evil, and they become Diligent in prayer and releasing the word of God. Say, God, you promise. God responds to his word. 
He will perform. He will watch over his word to perform it. He is not going to watch over your words to perform it. He watches over his word to bring it into manifestation. But the church must begin to pray without ceasing. You must be diligent in prayer. Lazy churches, lazy Christians will get nothing but people who are praying and calling on God, they will get everything. God will dispatch angels. He will dispatch his mighty angels. I believe with all my heart you join me in prayer, and I prayed for your prodigal boys and girls, your sons and your daughters. God is dispatching angels right now. There are angels confronting them. They're going to have visions and dreams of angels. They're going to have supernatural visions. They're going to come home to Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? I have every confidence that God is going to do it. Why? Because when he tells me do something, I just obey him. I'm just a messenger boy. I'm just a servant. I obey. I don't question him. I've come too far with him, serving him now, to question him. I don't question God. Jesus gives me a mandate, mandate, I do it. And he's giving you a mandate tonight. You're to be diligent in prayer. You're to be angry at your condition, angry at the situation you're going through. Angry. Enough. I'm not taking any more. Rubbish. I can do better than that. I'm not going to have that. That's beneath me. That's not what the Word of God says. And when we look at the Word of God and we say, uh, you know, uh, uh, you, you ask a brother or a sister, hey, sister, how you doing? Or brother, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. And you can't show no blessings. It's only a talk. Devil beating your brains out. What are you going to do about it? I'm getting angry. I've had enough. I had my anger point back in 88. I had my anger. I know what it is to be bombarded with Janice and Jambres, Simon the Sorcerer, Balaam, and the Witch of Endor thrown in. I know what it is to be ganged upon. I know what it is to be going out of your mind with demonic witchcraft and sorcery. I know. But when Jesus brought me into the realm and he told me that month, that I believe it was a Wednesday morning, get up, boy, and go and uh, pick up your Bible and begin to read your Bible. I believe it was a Wednesday morning, as far as I can remember. And he said, go read your Bible. And I began to read the Bible. Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. That's what I used to read when I was an atheist boy. That's the only thing that made no kind of sense to me. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't make no sense. Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, it made sense. Okay? And I began to read it, and I began to read, read, and I came to Psalm 91. It made sense. And when I looked, I said, you promised me this, and I am not getting this. I've been robbed. I got angry. I was ballistic. And I said, no more. Devil of hell, no more. And while I was reading, I heard the voice of the Lord saying to me, Rise up, mighty warrior. Like he told Gideon, you mighty man of valor. I hear him saying, Rise up. And I got angry. And I was diligent. And I began to release that word and release that word and release that word because I was anger. It fueled my diligence. Are you angry tonight? I'm sick and I'm tired of this condition that we're in. No more. No more. You've got to get angry. And if you're not angry, you're so cool and you're so hip, oh, Lord, help you. Uh, Jesus said, uh, said, I wish you were hot or I wish you were cold. So if you're hot, then good. If you're fiery, good. You're cold, it says, I'll know you're cold. If you're cold, you're dead. 
cold people, they're dead people. But it says if you're lukewarm, you know you're straddling the fence, you're lukewarm, it says, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm going to vomit you. I'll spew you out of my mouth. You make me sick. That's what Jesus said. Now, I released that word a couple, of, uh, maybe last week or the week before. Any lukewarm Christian will never make it to heaven. That's the word of God. I will vomit you out. That's what Jesus said. You'll never make heaven. You'll go to hell. The only Christians that will make heaven, those who are hot. Cold Christians are dead Christians. So it's good to be angry. Good to be hot. Good to be fiery. Good to be on fire for the Lord. And when you are on fire, you'll release fire. You will spew fire out of your mouth. What fire, Bishop? The word of the living God. Is not my word like as a fire? And like as a hammer that breaketh the rocks in pieces? The word of God is fire. And you've got to spit fire out of your mouth. The word of God must be spewed out of your mouth. You must be declaring the word of God. Angry. Diligent. Don't start out and say, well, you know, I start out, then you drop out. I become a prayer dropout. Prayer dropouts don't make it. Prayer dropouts become lukewarm. They ain't going to make it. Not going to make it. But Jesus wants a hot, fiery Christian. Diligent. Enduring. When you're hot and you're on fire and you're enduring, you're going to make it. Because guess what? When you're, when you're releasing the word, God is sending angels. I want my angels to work. I want angels to work on my behalf. I don't want to be working, working, and trudging, and laboring. No. Angels do a better job than I do. The Bible says what? The Bible says the battles are not mine. The battles belong to the Lord. Why am I going to take up? What am I going to take up God's thing? Let Him fight. Let Him do the heavy lifting. I'll sit back here and do the praying and the fasting, and praising and worshiping, and let God fight the battle for you. It's not yours. But how is He going to fight your battle? And you're not diligent. You're not angry. You're too cool. You're lukewarm. You're cold. That don't work. Jesus wants you hot and angry. Be ye angry and do not sin. And when you're hot and you're angry and you begin to release the fire of the word of the living God, he will dispatch the angels like he did for Peter. Pray without ceasing, church. And when you pray without ceasing, Jesus will dispatch mighty angels. And boy, let me tell you something. You know the power of one angel. One angel can kill 185,000 people in one night, okay? Don't mess with one angel. One, just one. And the Bible says he has given his angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways. I want my angels working. The Bible says that the angels of God who excel in strength, Psalm 103, verse 20, hearken and listen diligently unto the, the voice of his word. I want to be releasing the word of God and put my angels to work on my behalf. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Angels are looking, begging for work. But you're not dispatching them because you're not releasing the word of God. You have no diligence. You're not praying like you should. Come on, we got to set this thing up. We're in the tribulation era. It's not going to get any better. And I taught you already, right behind COVID-19, there's another one called G4. There's another one called swine flu. There's another mystery one in Kazakhstan killed 60,000 people in one week. And last night the Lord spoke to me again and he told me, the plague has started. It's a plague we talked we talked about when I was searching the Lord, talking about bubonic plague. And I read that article. He led me the animals in Colorado. Rabbits are dying. Squirrels are dying. Animals are dying. Doesn't mean that the plague is going to jump from the animals to people, but it poss there is a possibility because bubonic plague comes from mice, rats, the fleas on them, and it came to people. 
but he spoke to me and he told me the plague has started last night. I want to release that word. Why? Why is God telling me all these things? Because I'm praying. I'm talking to him. Diligence. I want you diligent too. I want you more diligent than me. I want you praying more than I pray. I want to raise you up. I want to be, I want to needle you and bring you to be a praying, diligent word warrior. I want to see God elevate you and talk to you like he talked to Enoch. I want to see God do with you what he did with Elijah. Elisha, with double portion, and he used you mightily. I'm your needle, and I'm here to stick you and prick you and prick you and prick you and push you and needle you to do better than you're doing right now. Diligent, angry. I hate what the devil is doing. I hate what I'm seeing up here. All this confusion, this chaos. I'm angry. I know what the back of the book says, but I'm angry. And I'm not going to sit back and say, oh, the Lord knows and God is in control. No, I'm going to war a good warfare. I refuse to be part of the sick sit back. God knows God is in control crowd. That's not what the Bible tells me. We know he's in control. We know nothing is going to happen until he allows it to happen. But he said we must war a good warfare. Are you warring a good warfare? Are you just sitting back lazy, so cool, lukewarm? And Jesus said you just make me insipid that he's going to spit you out of his mouth. Don't do that. Please, I beg you. I beg you. You're on this line, you hear this message, I beg you, don't do that. Get angry. And if you're not angry about yourself and your condition, get angry for your children. Get angry for somebody else's children. Go read and see what's going on with drug use, lifestyles, homosexuality, lesbianism. Look at somebody else's uh, uh, children or somebody else going through a hard time. Look at what's going on today. People are going to be living out of their cars and living in a tent like an animal in the woods. Get angry and begin to pray and intercede for that, uh, that, that person. People shouldn't live in tents in the woods. They should be living in a house. But what's gonna God, what's what God what's God gonna do? You got He's got He wants to send an angel, but you gotta pray. He could have sent an angel to kill to stop James from being killed, but nobody prayed. Nobody prayed. God couldn't send the angel to rescue James. The church stood guilty for the death of James. Blood was on their hands. And tell everybody I said so. But when Peter was grabbed, the church woke up and they began to pray without ceasing. Then God sent an angel and rescued Peter. Well, what happened with James? You didn't like James? Or oh, you're sleeping, lazy. Please, church, I beg you, wake up. Don't be lazy. Get angry and become diligent. And let us begin to pray without ceasing. Let us begin to release that word. Let's do something you never did before. I know you sleep at midnight. Everybody, most of you, you're asleep at midnight. Between 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock. But you got to get up and go to the bathroom. So when you go, just stay. Stand up on, on the bedside. Don't, don't, don't lay down. You'll go to sleep. Stand up at the bedside. And just about everybody knows the 23rd Psalm. Just release the 23rd Psalm. And pray for somebody. Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for your children. Pray for somebody without a job. Pray for somebody without a place to live. Pray for somebody going through hell. Pray for the poor, the needy, the oppressed. Pray. Just pray. Be diligent in doing this. I beg you, do it. Will you do it? Let's get God dispatching angels. Let's make him send angels. We're not going to be like the church in the period of James. No prayer, no power. 
We're going to be like the church in the period of Peter, praying without ceasing. Praying church got a powerful church because God sends angels in response to prayer. May the Lord bless you tonight. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And I leave you tonight. You are going to pray without ceasing. You're a powerful church. You're going to be releasing the word so that God can dispatch his angels to take care of business. God bless you and have a fabulous, fabulous night.